Hello, friends, and welcome to the Wisdom for Life broadcast. This is Pastor Glenn with another episode that we hope will bless you. All right, hey, turn your Bibles, would you, to Psalm chapter 17, verse 15. And if I had a colliery this morning to draw a coloration, I would probably look at Luke 10.30 in a little bit. I'm going to do an exegetical of those verses in Luke 10.30. It is the parable of the Good Samaritan. But uh, you can turn to both if you like. I'll give you the other text as we get there. Psalm 17, verse 15. And I want to talk about peeps this morning. I want to talk about peeps. Did you know that probably the most hated candy in Easter is peeps? The The whole entire websites, Facebook pages, are devoted towards the hatred of these cute little marshmallow dolls. I mean, just people have devoted their lives to hatred of a wonderful can. I don't care, Steve. You're just jumping out already. You, you know? Oh, my gosh. People don't like peeps. And they don't. You don't either, Joanne? How, okay, let's get it out of the way. How many don't like peeps? How many do? You do. Okay. You're outnumbered. You're outnumbered. And I want to talk this morning a little bit about what it takes to love peeps. Other people. Because I don't know about you, if you've ever had a moment where you've spent quite a bit of time with people, you've said this, I don't like people. Just me? And I'm in ministry. Think about this. You've never said that. I guarantee, listen, if you've never said that in your mind, you haven't spent enough time with people. You don't get it. Once you really start spending time with people, you're going to have to rely upon the love of God to love them. And you're going to have to deal with this spirit inside that says, I don't know if I like people. Are relationships and peeps even worth it? And I'm here to tell you this morning, yes, because God said that peeps are worth it. God gave His Son for peeps. How dare we ever come to a conclusion that relationships aren't worth it? But inevitably, as we live in this world and become entangled in the affairs of this world, as Paul admonishes us not to, we begin to become more influenced by culture than we do by Christ. Culture would have you believe that life is about acquisition, about getting things. But Christ would call you to relationships and about releasing things. You've you've never watched one of those programs where people like go up into Alaska somewhere and build a cabin and live all by themselves for the rest of their lives and said, I think I could do that. We got a little joke in the office. I could live in a yurt. You know what yurts are? They're like glorified tents. You know, just to get away from people like like Swiss Family Robinson or something, man. But God has called us to engage and love people. And that means that you're going to have to have a different purpose in life than gaining or acquiring things. And I will tell you this, if you want to do any ministry, it will will come against your natural desire to make money or acquire things. Listen very carefully. You'll never get called to the mission field and get rich on that. You'll never get called to ministry and get rich on that. You have to understand, there there is a despondency between two ideas. There was this lady recently, I was just watching this this video take 
of her funeral. She died in Orange County, California, and she was the richest billionaire female that had died in Orange County. And as they did her funeral, this is no joke, as they did her funeral, someone got up and said this. She died very, very lonely. She didn't have any relationships, but she had lots of stuff. She had lots of things. Actually, she, unfortunately, she committed suicide. And somebody at her funeral got up and said this. And how many of you know things are said at funerals that aren't always biblical? Right? Somebody got up in her funeral and said this. Oh, she had so much to live for. What did she have to... You mean she had so much to live on? She had so much to live on? Not to live for, because there weren't any people in her life. You see, God has called us to live for Him. That's a relationship. And God has called us to live for people and minister to people that's a relationship if you look at the cross and you can see one right up there there are vertical and horizontal beams those represent the two relationships why do you think god chose to die in that way he was slain from the foundations of the earth god picked this way to die to say i'm stretched out and i have this relationship and this relationship and if either of those are broken heaven ain't for you if you hate people you're not going to heaven. Or maybe you haven't read where Jesus taught again and again and again that unforgiveness and bitterness will keep you out. How can your Father in heaven forgive you if you don't forgive others? This is tough. This is tough. And now you see where this psalm is coming from. David's saying here, Psalm 17, 15, he says, But as for me, what's my contentment in? My contentment is not in wealth. Are you listening to your pastor this morning? My contentment is not in wealth, but in seeing you, in seeing you, and in knowing it's all well between us. It's all well between us. And when I awaken in heaven, I will be fully satisfied. How will I be satisfied? For I will see you face to face. I'll see you there. That's my satisfaction. You know what's better than going to heaven? Taking someone with you. How can you be so heavenly minded and do nothing about the hell on earth? No, listen carefully. How could you be so caught up in trying to get... Do you think when you get to heaven or when I get to heaven and we hear, well done, it's just because you showed up? Well done, you made it. Your britches are smoking right off your rear end, but you made it in, buddy. It was a tight squeeze, but, but Glenn, you, Glenn, you made it. No, well done is because there's someone there with you that was impacted by your life. I wonder, this isn't a hard sermon. It's okay. Some of you are all like, oh, come on. It's all right. It's going to be okay. But it really is about others. It, oh, here I go. It's not about me. I thought this whole honking thing was about me. You know what I love about our worship team? They lead us in songs that are not entertainment driven. They lead us in songs that are scripturally driven to speak of Christ. Not about me, but about Christ. I think that's biblical. Hmm. So let's get into this. What about relationships? What are the things, what are the things that wrap us up about, and I'm going to give some more things away. You know, because I need to lighten you up. Already, some of you are like, dear Lord, I don't know what kind of sermon this is, but I'm not, 
I don't know if I'm gelling with it. George likes him? Okay, George. Hey, hey, George, I'm giving you birthday cake, Peach. Come on, give it up for George. There you go, buddy. Hey, you can catch. That's great. And uh, here's the thing about... <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you go, Wayne. What'd you get, Wayne? Come on, pancakes and syrup. Breakfast of champions. Awesome. I got another breakfast. I got another breakfast of champions right here. Pancakes and syrup. That's going to Mr. Mike. How are you, sir? Mike and Pam, how you doing? Sorry, here's one for Pam. There you go. You get a purple purple. Um, so, oh, you want some? Okay, there you go. You get so you get fruit punch peeps. Fruit punch. All right, yeah. Fruit punch peeps. And uh, I got some. I got some just normal peeps. How many of you love to be around normal peeps? There are none. There are no normal people. There are no normal peeps. What whatsoever. It, it, Roland, man, you know how I love you, man. Yellow or pink, buddy? Ah, uh, he's going for pink. He's not ashamed of his masculinity. He's good. Totally secure. And I got some yellow ones here left. Who who am I? Who am I shouting out to now? Uh, I thought you said you didn't like him. No. I don't you lie in the house of God. I need to give a. Oh, okay. Well, don't answer for her. Answer for you. Jeez, Louise. You know, you can't always get what you want, Steve. It's an old Rolling Stone song. Peeps are like people. They're like relationships. You can't engage them without getting messy. Relationships are messy. You come close to peeps, you even begin to put one in your mouth, they get all over your fingers. Your fingers are going to be yellow, they're going to be blue, they're going to be purple, because there's a little dye in there called dye number five or dye number six, or you eat enough of it, you'll die. <laughs> they're messy. Then, <laughs> this is the fun part, then you go out into public and your whole mouth is purple, your teeth are purple, your tongue's purple, and after a while you're just like, you know, the first two you eat them, you're like, oh, this kind of tastes good, and then the third or fourth you're like, I'm not so happy anymore. You get around enough people, and at first it's a blast, but then it's like, eh, that wasn't, that wasn't too much fun. That wasn't too much of a blessing at all. You know what? That left me a little bit sticky. Peeps are sticky. They get all over the place. And then you get into sticky situations with people. You get into sticky relationships with people. That's called church. That's called engaging people in the world. And when you do, are you with me this morning? Come on, I'll preach the word in just a second, and I'm still doing it now. I want to get you there. I'm wondering where you're at. Hi, I'm glad you're back. Good. So you engage people, and it's sticky, and it leaves a mess, but Christ has called you to do it because there was a mess on the cross. Was it any messier than the cross? You don't want to engage people, but that's how it is. We're called to pick up a cross and follow God. Not just for us, for others. Think about this for a minute. The ingredients inside peeps are disgusting. People are disgusting. You don't think so? They're disgusting. Get to know them. Get close enough to anybody relationally, and you'll see that the stuff they're made of is not sugar and spice and everything nice. Just the ladies, I know. Yeah, 
What's inside Peeps? Well, the main ingredient is sugar. Then the next ingredient is corn syrup, which is a man-made form of sugar. Wow. Then, then the next ingredient is, watch this. I say gelatin. You know how gelatin's made? Oh, we're going to have some gross time. We're going to have gross time. They take animal bones, and they boil the bones in the skin, and then what comes off the bones in the skin turns into gelatin, and they put that in your jello. And you, put, you cover it with whipped cream. And you say, what a delightful time. And you go to the hospital. You're in there sick, and they give you bones of animals. I don't know how it works. I don't know. But that's inside Peeps, too. You know what else is in Peeps? A little something called Carbona Wax. Does that go on my car? What does it carbon? What does it do? Well, here's what we do know. You don't digest it. It just kind of sticks with you for a long time. You ever, you ever get near somebody and develop a relationship with them? You begin to love them, and then there's just something about them that just like, yeah. Carbona wax. <laughs> yeah. Mmm. What, what, what do we see about what do we see about peeps that are the same? Well, think about this is um, really. <laughs> Some people are tasteless. So are peeps. They've just got no taste. And yet God's called you to have a relationship with them. Right? You, say, you know how they don't, you know they don't have taste? As soon as you try to figure out what restaurant you want to go to. And then they decide. They finally, You say, well, you pick. No, you pick. Well, you pick. No, you pick. Shut up and pick. <laughs> then you finally, they finally pick and you're like, why did you pick? that no taste I don't want to eat there <laughs> there's not a lot of taste to them but get a load of this 700 million peeps are eaten by Americans during Easter every year that's more than every single person in the United States almost double oh, more way more and some of you are great at math, I'm not. But this is what I want to tell you. If a company, by the way, the company that makes peep, peeps, just born, that's kind of interesting, born again. I think there's something to it. I don't know. I just, I like it. But, but the company, they, they make these uh, little animals, and uh, they send them out. They're little marshmallow pieces of trash, and they cover them all over with sugar, and 700 million are consumed by Mary. They're, listen, and they figured out how to get their peep out to the whole nation. Five billion are eaten by the world, worldwide every year. Almost enough for every single person in the world. They figured it out. Why can't we? Why can't we get the gospel out? You, 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 you want to know why? You want to know why? Because last week, silly rabbit, the church is for the lost. It's not. If, listen, if you're found and if you're fixed, then, then, then you, ought to be, you ought to be part of the finding and the fixing. And, 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 and this isn't about you anymore if you're there. But, but we get there and we say, well, it, it still ought to be about, about me. It's not about you. It's not about you. If you're saved and you know it, love someone. Come on. So Jesus, he encounters this, this idea a little bit. 
in Luke chapter 10, verse 30. And I'm going to break down just a few of these ideas as we go through what's called the parable of the Good Samaritan. How many of you know that Jesus did things uh, with intentionality? That he did things with intentionality. So every part of this story has something intentional to it. And I want you to see that. He didn't just make up a story and say, listen, lawyer, teacher of the law, listen, I want to teach you how heaven works. He says, no, I want to teach you how I work. This is, if you want a hermeneutic, that means an interpretation. A good hermeneutic of the Bible is Jesus. It's all about, come on, come on. It's all about the, the, the crimson thread that runs through both the Old Testament, and I said Testament, not covenant. The Old Testament and New is Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus, okay? So an expert of the law, he's engaging Jesus. And Jesus says, I want you, I want you to learn how to love your neighbor. I want you to understand who your neighbor is. And the interesting thing is, is his interpretation of the law is incomplete. How many of you know that religion is part of the problem? Right? Not the kind of religion James talks about, where it's, it's about the widows and the orphans and pure religion. I'm talking about the, just understanding the rules really well. Now, if I'd engage uh, many of you one-on-one, if we had, you could probably tell me verses of Scripture that I've never, I've never seen it the way that you've seen it before. But if by the end of that meal, there wasn't some way that you could relationally engage me, you've done nothing. I don't care how smart you are in the Scriptures. If you can't relate to people, you've done nothing. You say, well, pastor, you know, you've gone to this, or you've done that, or you've had this. None of that training mounts to anything if you can't engage people. Listen, if you can't look someone in the eye and they feel love from you, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you. So Jesus has, has to say, listen, I'm going to give you the proactive interpretation of that law. Jesus doesn't bring anything new. He's going to say, love your neighbor as yourself and love God with all your heart, soul, and mind and strength, which came out of the Old Testament, which was part of the covenant. And I'm going to say both covenants are the same. It wasn't that, listen, it wasn't that when Jesus showed up, something new happened. Jesus was the fulfillment of the law in love. You understand? So Jesus came and fulfilled what God had intended all along. Moses uh, introduced it. Jesus finished it. And together, we've got the story of God, which is to love. Do you know where love your neighbor as yourself comes from? Leviticus. Not the New Testament. Jesus was quoting Leviticus. You know, the same book that talked about how priests ought to walk into the temple and how you should leave lobsters alone. What? That's in Leviticus. You can't, you can't eat shrimp. So all you Louisiana people, you got, you, got your, you got your gumbo shrimp, you got your popcorn shrimp, you got, you got, you got your shrimp song. Shrimp real. <laughs> Whatever. Some of you are like, I don't even care. Yeah, I do, I love shrimp. I do. But all of that stuff was to set God's people apart so that they might produce the Messiah and when the Messiah came and fulfilled the law in love, 
Jesus came along and said, all of the laws of the command hang on these two. Now, he wasn't simplifying. I've heard that preached. Listen carefully. He wasn't simplifying. He was specifying. He was saying all of the law is important. But I'm going to be specific here. If you're going to live in such a way to fulfill it, you must understand it hangs on these two things. Love people. Love God. Actually, it says love God first. Where does that come from? Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6. So what is Jesus saying here? He's not saying anything brand new. Actually, he's saying more of what God has always been saying. And his teacher of the law didn't get it until Jesus showed up and really gave it to him, which is cool. It's really cool. So in Leviticus 19, 18, it says, you'll love your neighbor as yourself. I'm the Lord. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6, in the Shema, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And Jesus says, here's the fulfillment of it. Me, my life, be like me. The scribe or the teacher of the law says, hey, hey, wait a minute. Then who is my neighbor? I want to know. Do you know why he was doing this? There was, a, there was a poor interpretation here. He was being reactive. He was saying, anybody that treats me well, I'll treat them well. I'll do the eye for the eye. Yeah, you do the eye for the eye and the whole world's blind. Right? Right? And he says, he says well, then who's my neighbor? And the Bible says he was saying this to justify himself. Oh, please don't ever try to do that. Please just fall on the cross. Fall at the cross. I'm not here to justify a thing. The justice that I receive by faith comes by Christ alone. And that's a great place to be. Can you hear me this morning? Okay, there's like three amens. Great. It's awesome. It's awesome. He wanted to justify himself. He had a reaction. He says, oh yeah? Well, anybody that's treated me good, I've treated them good. And Jesus goes, well, let me tell you who the neighbor really is. It ain't, it ain't who you think. It's a Samaritan. <gasps> Samaritans. Samaritans, oh my. Lions and tigers and bear. Oh my. Danger, Will Robinson. You, don't, you, you, you pass hospitals today and you say, oh, good Samaritan, that's a that's good place. You, you know, this was the equivalency of saying Arabs. And a cricket said Amen. I'm going to tell you a story about how an Arab loved and was the right neighbor. Woo! What? God can't use Arabs. You're struggling. God can't use someone that used to identify in an in a unbiblical way in their gender. He's doing it every day. And without going into in-depth on who the Samaritans were, they were hated. And Jesus goes, oh, that's the one I'm going to pick. The, least, the one you least expect, I'm going to pick that person. You know, kind of like he picked an ex-drug addict drug dealer to be your pastor. <laughs> no. No. So he starts telling the story. 
Let's look at it. Let's look at just, just a few of the verses and just see what they mean. He says a certain, in verse 30, he says, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, when we see man, we see it in Aramaic, Aramaic not in the Greek here. Jesus is speaking Aramaic. This man in, in the Aramaic or Hebrew would be Adam. Adam. He says, Adam went down. He could have said woman. He said man. He said man. This would be Adam. Think of Adam. He's comparing the man to Adam. And, and he's, he's saying mankind went where? Down. Watch your prepositions. If you don't like underlying things in your Bible, just underline them in your mind and in your heart. He says two prepositions here. Down and from. Now, you don't think down is important, but it is. If you think about it in the Old Testament, what do we have? We've got a guy by the name of Jonah. He was called by God. He was supposed to go up and preach. He didn't go up and preach. Instead, he went down from Joppa, or Jerusalem to Joppa. He went down into the ship. He went down into the water. He went down into the whale. And then when he gave his heart back to God in the belly of that whale that God had made, or this great fish that God had made, the Bible says he was spat up onto the, and then he went up onto the, come on. So the downs and the ups matter. And Jesus is saying, let me tell you a little story about the gospel. Man started out in a great place, and then he went down. He went down. So he went down from Jerusalem. Now this is a 17-mile trip. Uh, he's going to Jericho. Jericho is the lowest city. It is the lowest point geographically, elevation-wise, on planet Earth. It is the lowest point. So he went from Jerusalem, which is a mountain. It's on the side of a mountain or a great hill. He went from Jerusalem, which is God's city, great place, a spiritual place, and he went down to the lowest place. Does that sound like humanity? Does that sound like mankind? And so this is what Jesus is saying. This is where man started out, but this is where man ended up. And it's a 17-mile road, and it's got winding curves to it. This is also called the trail of blood. You see robbers and, and, and different, type of, different type of bad people. Say bad. Okay, bad people would hide around the corners, and then when you would come down this curving road, they would jump out and go, surprise, you know, and take all your stuff, beat you up. <laughs> Joseph. Has anybody noticed he buzzed his head since what I said yesterday, <laughs> last Sunday? I love you, man. You're my buddy. <sighs> Got to be here every week to know what's going on, folks. What's the next word the Bible says? Fell. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and what? Fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody in this room at one point fell the day you were born. The very day you were born fallen. You were born fallen on this road. You were born down. I've been down since I began to crawl. That's some old blues there. And he fell among what? Thieves. Not, about, not among friends. Not about, listen, the devil seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. The first word is steal. The devil has his minions, demons, and they're out to steal from you. He's not your friend. He's not your buddy. He's not going to bless you. He's not going to set you up great. He's out to take from you. The Greek word here for robbers used by Luke implies that these thieves were not just casual operators. You see, they lied in wait. They would stay there planning, scheming. The day you were born, there was an assignment to scheme against you. But praise God, long before you were born, 
You were chosen by God to do great things. We heard that this morning in Ephesians 2.10. God has great works and great things in store for you. Hallelujah. <laughs> so what did these robbers do? I want you to see this. Verse 7. Actually, that's my point number 7, not verse 7. It says, they stripped him of his raiment. What happened when Adam sinned? What happened when Eve sinned? They noticed they were, well, this is a biblical crowd. Bunch of dirty-minded people. They stripped him of his raiment. Then they wounded him. How could they wound him? And then Paul later talks about put on the whole armor of Anybody in here know what I... Picking this up, what I'm putting down? They, they stripped him of his raiment. At this point, it would be Adam's... He was clothed in Shekinah. He was clothed in righteousness. He was clothed in a robe that was given to him by God, a spiritual covering that was lost because of sin. Then the enemy could come in and wound. And then Christ died on the cross to give it back to you. You can put it back on. Listen, I don't know whether you shop at Kohl's or not, but you need to shop with Christ. You need to put on Christ and His righteousness every day. He'll have you looking good. It says they wounded Him, and then they left Him. The devil is going to take you farther than you want to go, and then he's just going to leave you. He's going to hang with you. But I want you to see these words. Half dead. Half dead. They wounded Him and then left Him for half dead. I want you to think about Adam again in the garden, Adam and Eve. God says, in the day that you'll eat of this tree, you'll surely die. God was always and is always. What did Jesus say about the Father? It says that he is a spirit and he seeks those that will worship him in spirit and in truth. God always interprets life through spirit first. You and I interpret life through flesh and body first. There's three parts of you, your mind or your soul, your body, and your spirit. God is always looking at your spirit. Many of the promises of God come to your spirit first, then are manifested over time by faith into your soul and into your body. Please come see me after service if you don't understand what I just said. Because this is the reason why a lot of people miss a lot of promises of God. They show up small and tiny in your spirit, and you carry them like Mary, did a word come to Mary that she would conceive? Did a word come to Mary that she would produce the Messiah? Did she hide it in her heart, but then produce it right away? No. Nine months later, Jesus. Hi, baby. Right? So she had to carry the promise for how long? And we won't go nine seconds. We won't go nine minutes. God births things to your spirit first. And I want you to see what happens here. This guy was stripped of his raiment, then he was wounded, left half dead. Part of him is dead. His spirit. So the devil comes along, sees everything from the flesh first. The devil comes along and says, you won't surely die. Well, that's a half-truth. That's why it's stuck. Like all the world religions stick, because they're half-true. If something's half true, is it still a lie? I, I need confirmation, please. That you're alive and awake. This, okay. <laughs> if it's half true, don't make it true. 
Hey, if anything's true, it's true through and through. Put that on a rap album. Put a beat behind it. If it's true, it's got to be true all the way through. Not in half, not in part, but all the way. So he's half dead. Part of him's dead. His spiritual man has been lost. He's lost his raiment. Okay? He's also wounded. Now he can be wounded. Most of our wounds in life are not physical. They're mental. They're solical. They're in your heart. You can be wounded in your heart and in your mind in ways your body can never be wounded. And the only reason why it's there is because you have lived in this world long enough that you've come close to people and in things, and those things will hurt. But praise God, He loves you, and He's seeking you out, and He wants to heal you. You may be half dead, but God has come along to give you life to every part of your being. I want you to see this. And by chance, now the Greek here is poor. This is poor translation. It wasn't chance, okay? It was ordained. It was ordained. We say things like, you know, I want to be lucky. That's kind of, that kind of derives from Lucifer. Luck, loose, okay, L-U-C. We don't, we don't believe in luck, do we? Nothing just happens. Nothing just happens. You were born intentionally, purposefully. You were placed on this planet for such a time as this to make a difference. God's seen a problem and said, ah, yeah, ah, ah I, need, I need Tim. And you were birthed during this time. You know, I, I needed Sarah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was, I, I, George is coming. For such a time as this, to make a difference, I'm going to send a Glenn now. I'm going to send a, a, a Michaela. I'm going to send Vince. God didn't mess up when he sent Vince. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> Vince is pretty cool. Because he takes me out to lunch and he pays. All right. <laughs> Purpose intentionality no okay so a certain priest a certain priest comes along and what happens with that certain priest the bible says he goes on the other side he says i'm encountering a peep i'm encountering someone that could stain me i'm encountering a sticky situation i'm a priest and i'm going to jerusalem i'm going the right direction but i'm doing it the wrong way I'm doing church, that's right, but you're supposed to be the church. And if you're not, that's wrong. So I go to church, and I park in my spot, and I go in my pew, and I pay my tithe, and I show up for Sunday school, and then I go home, and I'm going to heaven. So all of that is great, priest. You're all priests. Did you know that? You're part of the priesthood of all believers, for your chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, yeah, that's right, that would call forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous or everlasting light. That's what the Bible says about you. You're chosen, you're royal, you're priests. Every one of you. So you, if you're a priest, you have a ministry. You're going the right direction to Jerusalem, not down to Jericho. Great, I'm glad your life is headed the right direction. But why are you on the other side of the road from someone who's sticky and messy? Well, let me tell you, I have priestly duties. And I can't touch dead things. I can't touch dead people. I can't encounter and come close to things. That will contaminate me. Far be it from me 
Far be it from me to show up to a tattoo bar parlor and begin to share Christ and love and friendship and relationship with everybody in there. I can't do that. Do you know who I am? Do you know what church I go to? Why is it so silent? <laughs> Far be it from me. I can't go into that restaurant and talk to people. They serve alcohol. I can't go in there. Everybody else will think I drink. Who cares what other people think? This happened to Jesus, you know. People kept saying, he's a sinner. We see him with sinners. And Jesus said, I've come to seek and save the lost. The, listen, the physician has come for the dying. If you ain't dead, you ain't dying, I ain't come from you for you. Come for these guys. Well, I don't want anybody to, you know, I have, a, I have an image to keep. You know, huh, I've been in this community forever. That's part of your problem. The greatest thing you could ever do is go on a mission field, go somewhere, and be around people that are not like you at all, and then have them serve you something like Goathead. It'd change your life. Come on, man. I've been on the mission field, and they, they serve me. What do they serve me, honey? Chicken backs and chicken feet and chicken neck. Chicken neck! They told me, oh, it's Sunday, Pastor. We're gonna, we've left the best meal for you. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we're going to eat monkey. And I show up and it's like, we have prepared for you chicken neck. <laughs> I'm like, mm. <laughs> there's no meat on chicken necks. Hey, I ate it. You know why? Because I want to love. Is that me? No, it's not about me. It's not about me. They prepared it for me. I need to show love. I need to show honor. I need to show respect. I need to show up. And I want you to see this. Jesus is talking about this Levite. He's going to do priestly duties. And he won't deal with someone that's dead because he's saying, I can't touch you. You know, I'm on the way to the temple. That would defile me. He's only half dead. He's only half dead. Do you see the glass half full with people? I know I don't sometimes. I just go, there's a, there's a website called People of Walmart. And you're laughing, but you might be on that website. Be careful. I'm sure I've been. I told my wife yesterday, we were going to Walmart to get some groceries. And I told her yesterday, let's go home first. We just come from the gym, and I keep running into people from the church. And they're like, dear Lord, that's our pastor. You know, I mean, what hair I have left all jacked up in weird shorts and a goofy t-shirt. And I'm disgusting. And I'm like, hey, I'm buying my groceries. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, let's go home. We don't want to defile ourselves, but people around us that we think are, are not put together and are broken and whatever else, they're only half. They're only half dead. They're just waiting to come alive. They're waiting to have life in God. And you know, so he got wrapped up in his religion, and religion's going to finish off what, what the devil started in us. If you get religious around half-dead people, huh? You're just, you're just asking. You're just asking the enemy to take their soul. So Jesus says, you know, another guy comes along, and he comes a little bit closer. You know, this, uh, 
this guy comes a little bit closer, and, and he's, uh, this time he looks and he, he comes close and he notices that uh, the guy is, you know, potential, potentially someone that God could use and bring back to life. But the Bible says that in the story, Jesus said he only came and saw. So we're good at that, aren't we? I came, I saw, I walked away. But then Jesus shows up and he turns the story, he says, but a Samaritan. <laughs> but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came, saw where he was. When he saw him, he had compassion on him. Okay, so this word compassion means for your bowels to move, not in the way you're thinking, okay? But it means to have such compassion that in your gut, you're just doubled over because you care that much. He said he had compassion on the man. Mm, I love that. It says, and he went to him. He bound up his wounds. And let's break apart a few things that he says as I close. He binds up his wounds. That's awesome. Then he gets out the oil. Why oil? Give me oil in my lamp. Keep me burning. Pour some wine. You know, we think about, I'm Pentecostal. Do you know who your Pentecost is for? Do you know who your holy goose bump on your elbow is for? The broken. The lost. You got oil in your lamp? You got the Holy Ghost? Awesome. That's great. Who's it for? Silly rabbit. Who's it for? Yeah, and, 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 he, and he brings wine too. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, that's great. Binds up his wounds. Can I go a little bit farther, though? Because this is where it really gets fun. It really gets fun. He brings along a horse. He gets off. He steps down from his high horse, gets off his high church horse, puts the broken man on the beast, on the horse, and then walks with him. Did you know Jesus traded places with you at the cross? He trades places with the man. He says, I'll walk this walk for you. I'll make this journey for you. I'll fulfill what it takes to fulfill the requirement of the law to the Father for you. You just stay with me. That's all you got to do, by the way. You just got to stay with Jesus. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? You don't even have to ride shotgun. You can just, just get in the car. And so he puts him on his beast. And where do they ride to? Come on. The inn. Where do you think the inn is? You're in it. You're the inn. Okay, you're not. Listen, I'm more excited than I need to be. I'll see you guys later. Bye. This is it. This is the inn. And then the Samaritan shows up to the inn. He stays there with him for a short moment. Oh, you don't think this is talking about Jesus at all? Did you know that did you know that Nazareth is just three miles from Samaria? In fact, there were several moments in the New Testament where, where, where the scribes and the Pharisees said of Jesus, you're a Samaritan. You're, you're, you're from that place in Samaria. They doubled them together. We don't generalize and we don't bring out prejudices, do we? Man, places I've preached before. Aren't you from Chicago? We hate Chicago. We hate you. Gee whiz. Gee whiz. There's like four million people in Chicago, man, that all need Jesus. You know the media? You, you know the media wants you to hate people? Didn't I, didn't I, didn't I say you're going to be, you're going to be, 
you're going to be influenced by Christ or culture. The media just wants you to hate people. And then wants to tell you that you're the only one that's right. And by the time you're watching, you're going, oh, oh, those people are crazy, but I'm not. And he says, hey, innkeeper, he can stay here. You let this broken man stay in the inn, and he stays for two days. Say two. And then I read 2 Peter where it says, a day with the Lord is as unto a a thousand. And didn't this whole story get started about 2,000 years ago? Didn't the the good Samaritan come down and, and, and deal with our wounds and deal with our transgressions and... And didn't he come down off of heaven? The Bible says he became imminent. He was transcendent. He came down and was imminent. Shared our sufferings. Took our place. And then he left. What does the the Samaritan in the story say? What does it say about him? It says that he leaves. But he tells the innkeeper, he says, guess what? You take care of him. Who takes care of him? We do. The innkeepers. You know, come on, bellhops. Where are they? Come on, man. We, we need some... We need, ding, ding. Come on. And, and, and then he says, I'll pay. I'll pay for whatever it takes. I'll, I'll pay for whatever it takes for his stay there. You know what's so cool about church when it's done right? What's so cool about church when it's done right is simply... I'm sorry, baby. Did I spit on you a little bit? I'm sorry. <laughs> She's like, uh, uh, uh. It's like doing the Matrix slow motion. She's like dodging. All right. Yeah, that was pretty cool. He's, where was I, man? Okay, so, so he's there. He says, I'll, I'll pay for whatever it takes to take care of this broken man. And church done right looks like this. You go after the people who cannot pay you back. And God will pay you back. Those are the people. Come on, give them praise. Those are the people we're after. The ones who can't pay us back. I don't want a bunch of people that go to church somewhere else already and don't like the songs. And they're a little bored with their pastor, so they want to come here. I don't want your money. And I don't want your heart. This is the end. We're innkeepers. Let's get some broken people in here. Let's love on them and let God pay us back in the city for the city. Come on. Shabang. All right. He's going to pay for this. And he's going to pay the innkeeper for whatever it takes. There's nothing we can do in faith in this community that God won't sustain. If he's ordained it, he's sustained it. You'll never have to worry about the finances in this church if you'll go after the lost. The minute you start thinking about doing ministry that is not connected with broken people, you'll worry about finances. Listen, I've pastored long enough to see it. I know. Blessings and finances and resources always follow vision towards broken people. Always. You'll never have to worry about it. Some of you are like, well, I just want to know how much this might go. Listen, if it's going to broken people... It, hallelujah, yeah, it don't matter. All we got to do is be great at inviting. And uh, 
I'm looking around for somebody that can handle what I'm about to do. Because I'm getting older, so I'm not as in shape as I used to be. And uh, I don't think there's anybody here. I don't th- yeah, and then later they might be a little bit mad because I'm looking, you know. So Jesus said, go into the highways and byways and, and, and compel them to come. He told this parable about a wedding banquet. He says, I want everybody to be able to come. And there's some people, they aren't dressed right. And some people aren't. And some people, they don't have it all together. And some people, they weren't the, they, they're not going to be ready for the party. And they're not going to be ready for the banquet because they're not wearing the right clothes. They're not, they're not in the raiment. They don't have the spiritual things in their life together right. And Jesus says, go into the highways and byways and compel them to come. There is literally nobody here that's small enough for me to do this. <laughs> I'm looking around. I'm like, please. I can't do it with a girl. <laughs> I can't do it with a girl. Um, ah, yeah, yeah. Can you imagine this in your minds if you would? I mean, I'm trying. Uh, okay, I don't know what's happening right now. Oh, he's doing, okay, good. Praise God. <laughs> awesome, give him a hand, come on. Keep going, keep going. Hey, Ben, I would, ta- I would make that pony ride you all the way around the chair. <laughs> awesome, good job. Hey, we're done with you, sir. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's all you get. He got you here. That's enough. Yeah, I know. He says, is that it? Boy, that'll preach, won't it? That'll <laughs> Ben. All right, that was good. All right, good. We need to. All right, so I want so, so that's just what, that's our job. Just, just get him here. You got a chance. You got an opportunity, rather, next Sunday. Right? You want to get him here. Broken people. Um, is it that hard? No. I was hanging out with we, uh, Wayne and Lisa, and uh, we had lunch with them a couple. How many of you know Wayne and Lisa? They're right over here. Yeah. She said, hey, they're awesome. They're our good friends. And I'm not going to put you on the spot, sir. I'll just, yeah, because right now he's looking at you. I'll pound you into the ground. <laughs> mm, okay. But uh, we're having lunch, and I, 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 I just, I got to ask, you know. So uh, what, what made you come to this church? What, what was the deal? He said, you know, one day we were just unloading the truck. You know, they live over here on Ash, right? Yeah, right, just right across the street. And we were unloading the truck. It was a Wednesday night. And Tom Rudder just walks over and says, Hey, you're our neighbor. We got a, we got a place for you to come. I'd like to invite you to come to our church. And they, this is what they told me. That just simmered in them for a while. It took a while. It wasn't right away. And then one day they... they they, they decided to go ahead and come here, and they did. And there they are. Now, how hard was that? It's no different than Mr. Rogers. No different. In fact, Tom, you remind me so much of Mr. Rogers. It's uncanny, sir. Can you see Tom every time he teaches Sunday school? <laughs> won't you be please won't you be my neighbor 
hi, neighbor. And then he pulls off his jacket, puts on another jacket. And then what's he do? What's he do? He goes to all these other weird people. Come on. You, do, you, do you remember? Remember that little cat that would go meow, 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 meow? Who was it? What was her name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember King Friday? He's all pie, Mr. Rogers. And, you know, and there was Lady Tuesday and, and uh, there was all kinds of crazy people that he would go see. Did you know that Mr. Rogers was a Presbyterian minister? Do you, did you know that he started out, he, has a mas- he had a master's degree in music. He wrote 24 different songs for that show, and they were all about how to treat people. All about how to treat people. The, the song, Won't You Be My Neighbor, is simply a song about how to treat people. And this, and this lawgiver says, who's my neighbor? And Jesus says, it's not even a, really even about you. It's about the one that shows the most mercy. And at the end of the story, he says, well, I guess the neighbor was the Samaritan. Did you know that on Fred Rogers' deathbed, he spoke to his wife, Joanne, and his last words were this, am I a sheep? I'm going home. Am I a sheep? I know he'll separate the sheep from the goats. Am I a sheep? And Joanne said, Fred, if anybody's a sheep, you are. And then he said this, how did I treat people? All he wanted to do was teach kids how to treat people. Won't you be my neighbor? That's what Tom did that day. And we get to have fellowship with Wayne and Lisa. Won't you be my neighbor? This morning, wouldn't it be cool if we seen another life baptized into the house of God and the church of God this morning? Isn't that cool? It's like every week, man, God's doing great stuff.